0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text from the gospel, the 16th chapter of St. John, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is our text. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, a couple of weeks ago I stood beside my wife on a small narrow street of Rome with map in hand trying to find our way from the Pantheon, that ancient temple where all of the Greco-Roman gods and goddesses were worshiped, out to the great Colosseum of Rome and Palatine Hill upon which Rome was founded and I was standing there with map in hand and I was asking myself that very question, quo vadis? Where are you going? Where in the world are you going? Because the streets are so close and so narrow that it's hard to find at times where you're going, and found myself asking that very question. And I thought also of that same question a day earlier as I was sitting upon the rooftop overlooking the ancient Pantheon and its colossal dome, whose weight rests on walls that are 20 feet thick at the base, and whose 16 columns that are out in the portico rise so high and are sixty tons in weight and i thought of that same question as i looked down upon that pantheon at this two thousand year old structure and looked up then from it panoramically to view the whole skyline of the city of rome and i thought then of something else i thought deja vu i've seen this scene before though I'd never been to Rome before it seemed that I'd seen it before and indeed I had seen it before I'd seen it through the eyes of another camera some of you will remember in fact the old movie Quo Vadis where are you going it means remember it great actors like Robert Taylor and Peter Ustinoff actresses Deborah Kerr and Sophia Loren an epic production about ancient Rome and ancient Christianity and how personified in these two main characters in a in a Roman commander named Marcus who falls in love with a beautiful convert to Christianity named Lygia, and the conflict that they had as they stood there together at the crossroads even as they typified all of the world standing there at that crossroads of time going the way of Christianity or going the way of Rome, which way shall it be? Where are you going, quo vadis? Where are you going, crossroads? And i can't help but imagine that that very phrase meant so much also to the disciples in our text for today because you'll see that very phrase that was in the text for today remember the words of our text spoken on the night before our lord was crucified that's when he spoke these words from saint john he had told the twelve that he was going to go to the cross for them that he was going to offer up himself as god in the flesh he was going to offer up himself as a sacrifice for their sins for the sins of all the world he told them that having done that he would rise again on the third day that he was going to visibly depart from them though invisibly he would still be with them in that supper that he had founded for them on that night the Lord's Supper that we still celebrate until Christ visibly returns at the end of time but that even now he said he would be with us in his very body and blood in this holy supper until he visibly comes at time's end. All of this had happened. All of this he had told his disciples. He had made all of these preparations for them before he left, visibly from their sight. And despite it all, he finds it necessary to say to them what we heard him say in the gospel for today when he said, Now I'm going to him who sent me. I'm getting ready to perform this task for all the world, and I'm getting ready to go to him who sent me, having accomplished his will for me in this world, and none of you, none of you asks me, where are you going? Interesting, no quo vatis. no where are you going from the disciples, not yet, why not? because in their mind's eye they just couldn't understand the necessity of the cross just as so many people in our world today don't understand the necessity of God becoming man to die for man's sins that there had to be payments that was equal to the sins of all of mankind they hadn't grasped yet that necessity and so they're not asking that all-important question where he was going having accomplished the will of his father instead they're so caught up in the here and now and then what's going to happen to them if Jesus is indeed crucified as he says what they're going to do next that the question became instead of where are you going Jesus having accomplished what you came to do and all the promises that you're going there holds for us in the future instead of that they find themselves asking where are we going what are we going to do caught up in the here and the now instead of the then and the there of Jesus their only covatus was the covatus of bewilderment, as it so often is even with us. They're still asking, What's going to become of us? instead of seeing in Christ what their future is. Covatus. And isn't that the same thing also with us in our day? Our Lord, patient though and gracious as He was with the disciples, knew that He was going to be sending them out into the world not to be leaders of men but rather to be sheep among wolves and he knows that he must prepare them for that and so he says wait you shall receive power from on high he says you shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you shall be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and indeed even to the remotest parts of the earth and they wait as Jesus told them to do and then they return to Jerusalem and waiting for something to happen they and over a hundred others with them devote themselves to prayer and to the study of the word of God and then it did happen then what Jesus had promised to them even before he suffered on the cross and died for them then what he promised to them did indeed happen when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth Jesus had said and it did indeed happen the spirit of truth came on that promised day of Pentecost and they were all gathered into one place as we heard it said in Acts and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in tongues as the Spirit then gave them utterance speaking in languages they never before had heard in order that the message of Christ might be indeed shared with the world the promised power from on high had come and now the disciples And the hundred plus men and women of God with them were ready to go where the Lord Jesus would send them. They were ready to do what the Lord Jesus said they would do. They were now empowered and enabled, not by their own strength, but by the very power of God to take on whatever life in the world would throw at them. They were ready to courageously confront life's challenges and Christianity's critics because they knew that what they were doing was something they would be doing because the Spirit of God was with them Quo vadis, what about you is it any different for us has not God made that same promise to us indeed that his spirit would be with us enabling us to do those very things that need to be done that the message of Christ might be a message that shared with not only those about us but throughout the world Quo vadis, where are you going you know it's rather interesting that the same year that the book Quo Vadis became a movie there was another famous book that became a movie as well back in 1951 Walt Disney made Lewis Carroll's classic adventure Alice in Wonderland into a movie remember Alice in Wonderland many of you indeed have shared that book with your children perhaps or you've read it yourselves Remember the story, a dream in which Alice has changed in size and she takes an amazing journey and she soon encounters all sorts of fantastic creatures including, of course, the Cheshire cat who upon seeing her along the way asks her this question, and where are you going? Alice, somewhat startled by the curious cat and by the cat's timely question, replies, I don't know remember what the cat answered it profoundly says well if you don't know where you're going it won't make much difference which road you take the cat was right a lot of people are just as lost as Alice in Wonderland utterly confused for example by what's arguably called evolutionary science so many have no idea where they've come from they have no idea where they're going what their ultimate destiny is seeing themselves as being little more than interesting accidents of chance that have taken place in a random chance universe briefly existing in this vast expanse of some self-caused universe they reduce themselves and they reduce human life to near nothingness A little more than cosmic dust. A self-caused universe you see has no plan for man. A self-caused universe has no concern for any one of us. To it we are but insignificant specks of dust in cosmic timelessness. Stephen Crane somewhat poetically put it this way and he said, a man said to the universe, sir, I exist. Nevertheless, replies the universe, the fact has not created in me the slightest sense of obligation. You see, a self-caused universe leaves us all in nothingness. It sets us down in that vast valley of cosmic dust and death, and it leaves us there saying, this is your home, this is where you came from, this is to what you'll return. Cosmic dust you were, cosmic dust you shall be. But that's not what God says. As we heard in the Old Testament lesson from Prophet Ezekiel today, God's hand was upon him and the Spirit of the Lord brought him out and sat him down in the middle of this this valley of dry bones. But he didn't leave him there saying, See what you're going to become? See what you are? He led him back and forth among that valley of bones and he asked him this question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel rightly answered, not of themselves, indeed not of themselves, you alone alone God know. And he commanded the prophet then, God did, commanded the prophet to speak the word to these dead bones, which he did, the word of God that brings life to that which is dead and suddenly through the power of God's word there was a noise there was a rattling of these dry bones symbolizing motion movement bones coming together bone to bone tendon and flesh appearing upon them and finally breath entering from God into them and they came to life and they stood up and they were as scripture tells us a vast army and god said i shall put my spirit in you and you shall live and those dead and dry bones lived as we heard and god has put that same spirit of life within each of you within all of us as his people and live we do not just now not just for earth's brief hour, as though our destiny were merely the The dust heap of ages and we are here for a short span and then we return to that cosmic dust from whence we've come. Not just as a single speck of worthless sand falling through the hourglass of cosmic time. No, God has said, I will put my spirit within you, a living spirit, and you shall live and you shall live forever. You shall live because as Jesus said I live you shall live also connected to the ever-living Christ we live always as well God raised him the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead freeing him from the agony of death scripture says because it was impossible for death to hold him down and because you are in Christ through holy baptism because Christ Jesus is yours it is impossible also For death to hold any and all of us down. Impossible to hold you down. Connected by faith and by the work of the Holy Spirit to him who lives forever, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that why Luther taught us to say that we've been called by the gospel, enlightened With his gifts sanctified he has and kept me in the true faith even as he calls and gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the, the whole Christian church on earth and he keeps it in the one true faith in which Christian church he then daily and he richly forgives all of my sins for me and all believers and will at the last day raise up me and all the dead and give unto me. And all believers in Christ, eternal life, Luther says this is most certainly true. And it is indeed most certainly true. It's the confession of the church throughout the ages. If the spirit of him, scripture says, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. And then a few few verses later, he adds these words, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children were heirs, heirs also with Christ Jesus. You see, we know where we're going because Christ has gone before us. He's told us the way. He's prepared the way for us that where he is, we may be also, we know where we're going, we know how we're going to get there because of what He's done for us, not because of what we do for ourselves or for Him. And so we cling tenaciously to Him. By faith, how? By the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to believe and to cling. We cling to Christ. We cling to Christ whose very body and blood is ours today. Wherein we receive him as he's invisibly present with us in his very body and blood. And we receive from him that immortality that prepares both our souls and our bodies for immortality. You know where you're going. You know who alone is going to get you there. You know how he's going to get you there through his means of grace, through his word, and through his sacraments. You know Jesus Christ. And you hear confess him before one another and out there you confess him in your life before the world there will indeed because of the confession that we make be it as a church or a congregation or individuals there will indeed be those who call our consistent confession of Christ a fanaticism but that's okay In a certain sense, I suppose, technically speaking, you could say we are fanatics. In fact, the word fanatic comes from an interesting Latin word, fanum, fanatic, from fanum, which literally means sanctuary, a temple. A fanatic, therefore, was merely someone who loved his God so much that he became a, a sanctuary dweller of sorts, one who desired to be there in God's temple where he could receive from God that which God gave. Fanatics, then, at least in that sense, we indeed are for where would we rather be right now than where God has promised to meet us in his word and in His sacraments where Christ comes to us even in our day to strengthen us and to enable us to live in this world in which he's placed us. Quo Vadis, where are you going? We know and thank God that we do know. Because of the work of his Holy Spirit in your life Beginning on that day of baptism, extending even to the day that he calls you eventually home to the place that he's called you to be, he is accomplishing his work in and through us. Let all of the world call us what it will. Let the world do to us what it would. It is simply, though, too late for it to undo what God has already done for you at the beginning of the sermon I mentioned my wife and I a couple of weeks ago standing in Rome map in hand asking each other where in the world are we going while well, we made our way from the from the Pantheon down the Via del Corso to the Via de Fori Imperiale that street along which stands one of the most fantastic sites in all of ancient Rome the great Roman Colosseum that Colosseum upon which so many of our modern Arenas are based architecturally A Colosseum that seats 50,000 spectators and you could just about hear the sounds of those spectators 50,000 of them from 2000 years ago chanting out their words their sayings their slogans as thousands of gladiators would fight to their death and so many Christians. So many brothers and sisters in Christ of ancient times were murdered, yea, martyred because they confessed Christ alone as Lord and would confess no other. And as we walked through the massive circular corridors of the Colosseum's main floor in order to enter through the royal entrance where Caesar himself would have walked, we were moved by what we saw. Standing in the dark corridor, looking up and out at where we would soon see the the light of the open Colosseum ceiling breaking through. We moved forward in anticipation of what we were going to see as we saw that light approach. And as we walked out there, we suddenly saw it. And it was standing there very simply, standing there for all who entered in to see a cross, a cross where Caesar would have walked a simple but beautiful large wooden cross standing there making that bold confession of faith in the face of all the world even still today saying in its simple way what the great world historian Will Durant once wrote caesar and christ met in the arena and christ won Where are you going? You know. You all know. You know because the spirit of truth has come to you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.